Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a CatSource family production. In this episode, we discuss the mind of a soccer goalkeeper, the Portland Timbers, and an athlete creating content. This podcast exists in large part because of CatSM, the content marketing team inside CatSource Inc. So what does CatSM do? You know how many business leaders need help communicating their story? That's what we do. Content creation and content distribution for business leaders. This provides opportunities, relationships, and a platform for you and your business. Why do we do this? Because at CatSM, we exist to help entrepreneurs create and share amazing content. Learn more by visiting CatSM.com. Our guest today is Jeff Atnella, goalkeeper for the Portland Timbers of the MLS. Jeff led the Timbers team to the 2018 MLS Cup. He played college soccer in his home state at the University of South Florida. His junior season, he was an All-American and Big East Goalkeeper of the Year. In the MLS, besides playing for the Portland Timbers, Adnell also played for Real Salt Lake and was a backup goalie during their MLS Cup run in 2013. Besides being a goalkeeper, Jeff is a husband, father, and a content creator. A creator in the sense that he is a podcast host and children's book author. You can hear his podcast from J to Z on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. His children's books can be found on his publishing platform at hadtobetold.com or Amazon. You can see links to his books in the show notes. And after you spend time listening to Jeff and learning about his story, you will absolutely be drawn to his content. I've come away impressed with Jeff's mindfulness. I believe you'll come to understand what I mean after listening to this chat. And with that in mind, let's get right into the chat and welcome Portland Timbers goalkeeper, Jeff Atnella. One of the first things I want to start with is, first of all, soccer. I love soccer. I mean, I grew up playing but just even now, I think it's it's getting here. It's getting in the United States. You got even just on the weekends, for example, you're getting European soccer, NBC Sports, Premier League. All the MLS games are available on ESPN Plus. So we're getting an opportunity to watch it. And when you watch a soccer game with an amazing crowd, with an amazing atmosphere, there's just nothing like it. And I think you play in if not in one of the if not the best atmospheres in the United States and the Portland Timbers and the Timbers Army. What is it like going out there for a game with the Timbers Army behind you? You know, I, I agree with you. I think it is like, I do think playing, uh, playing in front of Timbers Army and especially when, when they're supporting you, it is definitely one of the best environments in American soccer. And it's, you know, and it's funny. I've told this story before, but when, whenever somebody, before I even played for the Timbers, when somebody told me that they weren't really into soccer, they didn't, they couldn't really get into it. I would always tell them, you know, wait until you go, go to a game in Portland, go see Timbers Army, go experience a game in Portland, and you'll see kind of what it's like. I think, I mean, I've never been to Europe, uh, but like that's what I'd imagine that, you know, atmospheres in Europe are like. That's what I'd imagine like atmospheres being around the world. So go experience that for yourself because you won't really get a grasp for it unless you see it firsthand. But, you know, to play and to have them have your back when you're out on the field, it's, you know, it's just a, an incredible boost. You walk out of the tunnel. I mean, there's no better feeling for me walking out of the tunnel for warm-ups. And, you know, most of the stadium's empty, but the Timbers Army section is full. And they start chanting your name, and they start, they start singing, they start those cheers. And, you know, it's, it's almost impossible not to get goosebumps every time you walk out there. So, for me, it's, you know, every time, every time I've gotten to represent the Timbers and – especially play in front of Timbers Army with them having my back. You know, I, I don't take those moments for granted. So they're super, you know, they're super unique, but it's also it's very special to be a part of. I can imagine. I mean, I see it. College football is, I think, the closest thing we have in the United States to European soccer. But then I think, like, the Portland Timbers and what the MLS is becoming and can become 
is like that. You know, I was at a Columbus game last year, and, and Columbus was going through some stuff. Uh, were they going to even be there? But they had their unit, right? Save the crew. They, they had that core crowd that was there, and they didn't stop for a second. And it's just exciting. And like, just like you said, like, go to a game. You've got to check it out. And you got to, you know, people say, oh, it's boring and things aren't moving around enough. Like, we need more action. I'm like, I actually disagree with that. I think soccer is one of the most fun sports to watch because there's not a downtime. Like, the Heineken commercial to me is hilarious because it's so true. It's like you turn away for one second and that's when something amazing happens. And you're like, oh, my God, I missed it. Because you didn't know. Like, in football, and I love football, and I know you're a big sports fan. You know, you can tell sometimes when things might happen or you have enough time to get back to it. Soccer is just, and you don't know when that moment's going to happen where you're going to make an amazing save or there's going to be an amazing goal or whatever. But yeah, it's super exciting. Um, I think with, with what's going on in soccer in the U.S. and Portland. And, um, but I also want to touch on being a goalie. And so when we, we had connected on Instagram, uh, my son plays goalie and he's, he's very young and you know, he's having a lot of fun with it. And I think for sports, that's the, that's the number one thing. And I want to get back that with you like when you were younger and growing up. But you go out there and you get the goosebumps and you're really excited. But at the end of the day, you got to block a lot of stuff out too, right? You have to be in the moment. And you said this on a podcast, on your podcast, it might be eight or nine minutes where you have zero action and you're standing there and you're playing mind games. How do you get yourself in that moment in realizing that this game is so mental and is that what you think i mean is this one of the most mental positions that's out there in sports yeah i I would think so i mean to be honest i would in a way i would compare it uh you know for football references to kind of like being a kicker you know you play your when you're a goalie you you kind of play your own sport out there you're not doing you know you're not doing what everybody else on the field is doing and it is you know a lot of downtime it's a lot of time where you know you have to be engaged mentally the entire time because you don't know when you're going to be called on but at the same time it's you know you're trying your best to stay engaged with the team and do your best to help organize and it's 90 minutes of constant trying to organize your defense and you know mentally it does take its toll by the time by the end of the hour and a half you've spent most of your energy just trying to focus on what's going on and then, you know, there's some saves mixed in in between. So it's all about trying to be ready for when your number's called. But at the same time, just keeping yourself focused so that you can organize and stay engaged with the team throughout the course of the game. And it's funny, you know, you say your son uh, you say your son is a goalie. I had a goalie coach growing up that, you know, every training, every single training, he would say, goalkeeping, 75% mental. Goalkeeping, 75% mental. You know, you can make the saves. You could be athletic. You could be whatever. You can jump high. You can do all these things. But if you don't have that mental toughness and if you're not if you're not thinking about the mental aspect of the game all the time, then you're not going to have success. So, you know, for me, if I'm if I'm coaching your son or trying to, you know, if your son really enjoys being a goalkeeper, you know, I'm letting him know that now because it is a mental game. And, you know, of course, it's it's always easy to deal with the mental side when things are going well. But, you know, there's that other side of goalkeeping, too, where things aren't going well. And you got to somehow keep keep your mental focus and keep steady throughout the entire time that you're playing. So, it is a it is a mental battle, and it's it's a it's a very unique position in that way because, you know, you're kind of you're on your, you're on an island back there. Uh, you watch you watch goalkeepers, and most of the time they're standing there by themselves. And you know, if anybody has time by themselves, they're usually thinking about something. So it's about right. about trying to trying to block out trying to block out anything else that's going on and 
just really, really focusing on that task at hand for, you know, hopefully the entirety of the 90 minutes. So is that what you're thinking? So the ball's on the other side of the field and your team's got possession and it hasn't come onto your end of the field yet. And let's say it's the beginning of the game. Is that what you're just thinking? Are you just watching the game? Like you're zeroed in, like nothing else is out there? Or are you thinking about outra- outrageous things at this time? <laughs> no, I mean, for me, for me, you know, I, I try to spend as much time as I can either organizing or anticipating where I think the play is going to go. Um, because like you said, you know, our team could have the ball on the other side of the field for 25, 30 minutes, but then if a ball pops out and the next thing you know, a forward's running at you, you need to be engaged and you need to try to anticipate that that ball is going to get to you so that you can beat the forward to it. So it is tough because, you know, you're pretty much standing there, uh, when you're standing there by yourself, just kind of taking the game in and you're not really seeing much action or or the ball's not really around you much. You always got to try to your best to stay engaged and anticipate that moment when you're going to need to get called to action because, you know, as you know, as a goalie, it just takes one, it just takes one millisecond for you to, to be out of position or for you to misread a play. So it's about trying to keep that focus the entire time and try to anticipate and try to organize so that you can, you know, hopefully if a situation does get called on you and your defense, you have your defense in a spot where they're able to, to help you out and they're, they're organized and they're in a good spot so that hopefully the ball doesn't ever reach you. Right. And I think you talk about like being a part of the flow of the game. Uh, my son early on when he was learning it, you know, at the very beginning, you'll see young goalies do this. They just stand there, right? They're in the box. They're in the 18, maybe they're on the six and they're standing there and the coaches realize that early and they want to moving with the game like kind of move to the left, move forward, move back. You know, all coaches are a little bit different in that, but I think it keeps them in the flow of the game. So you have to engage in order to move with it, right, to go with the flow of it. And you also brought up something when things are going really well. You see this in anything, right? It can be a business. It can be with relationships. It can be whatever. When things are going well, things are going well. But it's when things go bad because – the best goalies in the world let in bad goals, right? I mean, we've seen for Manchester United, David De Gea, like considered one of the best goalies in the entire world, had a rough end of the year. Doesn't mean he's not a good goalie. He's maybe going through some tough times. How do you rebound from that? There was a situation last year, and this is a this was a middle school game, right? So he's got middle school, he's got the club soccer. And in middle school, as you talk at high school, and now that he's in now, the games are different. But anyway, he made a mistake. And the first mistake he made was some confusion and it probably could have been made by multiple people, but it got in his head. So it was interesting to watch that. A few minutes later, he made a second mistake. This mistake was 100% mental, right? It was just a complete breakdown. And it was interesting because at one point, I was like kind of over there and just felt bad for him in a way. But on the other side, it's like, this is good. This is the learning experience. Let's see how he's gonna respond to this situation. And he responded very well at that point, but you see that in games, right? You could be on the road and you let in a goal, maybe a goal you should have should have had. Maybe you were in a bad position. How do you then, and maybe the crowd's talking to you, maybe you're, I don't know, you know, as I think you get older, you start respecting one another. Cause I think for younger people, that's harder because kids talk. They're also gonna look at the goal and they're gonna say, that's his fault. It's the easiest person on the field to blame. They don't realize that the midfielder, if he would have made possession at midfield, everything would have been fine the ball would have been on the other side of the field next thing you know he makes an error and the ball is coming back to you how do you deal with all of those moving pieces i mean yeah you got to get back to your frame of mind is it is it like the cornerback mentality hey you got beat for a long one but you got a short-term memory and move forward what are you doing as a goalie to get to where you are today and doing this for many years yeah i mean it's it's exactly what you said it's uh it's that short-term memory, right? So if you give up a goal, there's no, if you give up a bad goal or if you make a mistake on the field, there's no getting it back. 
you know, you could stand there and you could dwell on it. And, you know, I think that that's something that, that even goalkeepers at the highest level, you know, if you talk about, you're talking about David De Gea, you could tell that, you know, the mistakes that he was meant that he was making was he was fighting off, he was fighting off some mental challenges and he was fighting off some, you know, whether his confidence was high, whether his confidence was low, it's, you know, even at the highest level, you have goalkeepers that, that go through confidence issues and deal with, you know, those mental mistakes and that mental side of the game. So, you know, the best advice that you can give or the best advice that I've gotten is pretty much just, you know, short-term memory. Forget about, forget about the mistake you just made and think about the next save and think about the next moment because, you know, there's, there's going to be plenty of opportunities where if you give up a bad goal, there's going to be, you're going to have that chance to make up for it. Or you're going to have that moment where, you know, you need to be called upon to make a big save to keep your team in the game. And if you're able to make that save, then that means that you've moved on mentally and that you were able to, to put that mistake behind you. And it is tough, you know, when you're younger, it's, you know, it's, it's tough not to dwell on those moments because it is, you know, it's a moment where the negative spotlight is on you. But at the same time, like, I, I think that goalkeeping along the way has taught me a lot of life lessons. You know, it's life, uh, <laughs> life isn't exactly easy either. So when you're dealing with, when you're dealing with the tough moment in sports, when all the, the negative spotlight is on you and you're able to respond and, and get through it and, you know, come out the other end and notice that it wasn't the end of the world and it was just one moment and you're able to kind of shake it off and fight off those uh, mental demons, as we like to call them, you know, it's a good, it's a good life learning lesson as well, because you're going to deal with those types of things in life. And, and for me personally, that's one of the things I love about the goalkeeper position is, you know, you can learn so much about life by being a goalie. And, you know, for me, it's the mistakes that I've made on the field are lessons that I've learned, uh, that I've learned on the field, but it's also helped me learn lessons off the field. So for me, that's one of the, that's one of the best things about being a goalie is if you can, if you can overcome those, those tough moments and those really tough mental struggles, then, you know, I think in the grand scheme of life, you're going to be all right. I completely agree. I mean, I think it applies to so many things, right? Like in business, you can say if you've played sports, you've been in these situations, no matter what level you've played it on, you could have made a mistake, you could have lost the game that you thought you were going to win or whatever happened, or you had this incredible process and journey, and then you end up winning. So many parallels you can draw to it. But it's like, what happens when things aren't going well? Can you block it out and move forward? Can you get back to what it is that you were doing with the little things that you know you need to do to get to that point, right? Um, you've had uh, a wild ride as I understand it, you know, playing high school soccer and then kind of moving your way up. And I want to touch on that a little bit. But one of the things that I've seen is that you've been a backup. And, and there's, there's, there's certain positions, I think, in sports where you see this, right? We see it a lot in college football, for example. Um, you know, I'm a huge Ohio State fan, right? And uh, Justin Fields is at Georgia and he makes a transfer and he's not the only one. There's many kids that do it because you want to play. You want to start. And soccer is obviously, hockey goalie is another one. There's only one of those positions that can play. And it's not easy to just take those guys out, right? You don't see a lot of two quarterback systems. You don't see a lot of two goalie systems as, as you go on. So you become a backup or a third string goalie. And there could be situations where you're behind someone who's absolutely more experienced, possibly better, and a better prime of their career, and you're still young and learning. But what about those situations when you feel like you're doing all the right things, but there's so much going on behind the scenes, perhaps political, perhaps because the coach or the general manager just likes that player better, or because of the contractor, who knows what those external circumstances are that really you don't have any control over, and you're not playing as a result. 
does that relate to the mental stuff that you're dealing with on the field? But how do you handle being perhaps a backup or a third stringer when you know and you have the confidence that perhaps you should be out there or at least getting your fair share of having the opportunity to be out there? I mean, I think that if you, if you didn't always believe that you should be out there, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't make it very far. You know, I think that that's the, that's the type of mentality that you have to have and that's kind of the fire that, that keeps you, that keeps you going and keeps you pushing when you're in those tough situations. If you are a second or a third string, or, you know, you're not playing games when you want to be playing. It's that internal, that internal belief that you should be out there and, you know, that kind of drive that keeps you going. But as far as, you know, the situation where you feel like you're, you're getting shortchanged or, you know, you should be out there, but you feel like something's political or, or whatever, you know, that's just not the, I mean, that could be the case, but you don't do yourself any favors by dwelling on that. You know, if you sports are crazy where you see it all the time, man, like you talk about uh, Ohio state and Justin Fields, right? Like who would have thought that like he would have never guessed in a million years that he would be transferring to Ohio state and that he'd be starting for Ohio state, you know, come this season, he probably went to Georgia thinking he was going to be the man. And, you know, it's just a situation where his circumstances changed and, you know, hopefully for his sake, hopefully he's ready for the moment and he's been preparing the right way and he's ready for the opportunity. So when you're in a position where you're not playing or you're not getting the reps, it's, it's about training hard, keeping that fire burning where you feel like you deserve to be out on the field. But, you know, if it's not going your way at that time, it's about preparing and making sure that you're ready because sports has a funny way of, of giving people their moment to shine. You know, sports always, sports always kind of comes full circle for people. So it's, it's about being ready and trying to make the most of that opportunity that you get because there's only so many opportunities that come, come about, you know, and if you're, if you're dwelling on, you know, all the games that you didn't play or all the moments that you felt like you were kind of getting screwed for lack of a better term. But if you're dwelling on those, instead of the moment that you're going to get, you're not going to do yourself any favors. So it's just about being ready for your moment. And, you know, it's, and it's good to be pissed off. It's good to be, good to keep that fire burning because that ultimately that's what's going to keep you going and keep you pushing for more yeah you hear that a lot right the put another log in the fire and there's i think we all have those little things perhaps a teacher doubted you or someone or a friend or someone on the crowd on the other team was kind of calling you out whatever that might have been or could have been in any situation in your life and you know i think there's there's a lot to be said about the person that can use that more as fuel but not as in like i'm going to prove them wrong but just like you said, the burnt, the inner desire to want to do something. So you go back to work and it's like the, the obstacle, the Ryan, the Ryan holiday book, the obstacle is the way, Hey, yeah, you want to be starting. You feel like you should be starting, but you're not your second, your third string. You didn't get this opportunity and this happened to you, right? So going backwards from what I understand, you went to uh, university of South Florida and they found you by playing high school soccer. So there's all sorts of conversation, as you well know, in this country right now of U.S. soccer. And where are we, go- where are we going with this? We're in the World Cup. Why did that happen? How are we going to train uh, the young players? And, and not just for the, the ultimate level, but just the, as a country in, in general, um, that there's a lot of talk that high school soccer is not the answer. And no doubt, when you go to a lot of high school games, it's very different. It almost looks like ping pong, right? Or boom ball. Whereas when you go to club, it's, it's very much more uh, controlling the game and a lot more training and short-sighted games and all that. But you played high school ball. Did you also play uh, academy or club soccer at the same time? How, how did that work out for you and why were you playing high school soccer? 
so the academy system didn't exist uh, when I was going through the high school. When I was going through high school, or if it did, it was it was very maybe there was one or two academy systems in the entire country. Um, so for me, it was just that's kind of what everybody was doing, unless you were called into the national team and uh, taking part in that. So for me, it was playing club. You would play club up until the high school season. And then you would transition to high school soccer. And then once high school soccer was over, you would transition back to club. And, but nowadays, you know, you talk about the world cup and you talk about, you know, where we're at on the world scale and, and that whole process. And I think if you look around the world, there's kids that are playing, if you're good enough to play, there's, there's professionals that are playing at 15, 16 years old all around the world. And if you're in the United States and you're playing high school soccer, you can, they don't even compare. So when you're talking about development and trying to get U.S. soccer to be recognized on a world scale as being competitive and having the type of types of players that that are able to, you know, go to a World Cup and and do well. And, you know, who knows, maybe even lift the trophy one day when you're talking about that. You know, I think the academy system and starting these starting these kids and starting these players at a young age in that professional environment, you know, it's, it's a step in the right direction. And. For me, you know, I loved high school soccer. I loved I loved high school sports, and you know, I'm the type of guy that was going to high school football games on Friday night and cheering cheering on your school and all that good stuff. But if you're really talking about reaching that next level of soccer in the United States, then you know the academy system is is the way to go. And hopefully, you know, we're trending in the right direction. Yeah, and I think your teammate uh, that's on their pod, the JDZ podcast had said that if you, if you're trying to achieve something with soccer in your personal life, whether you're trying to go to the World Cup or not, right? Like just go to the next level, get to a higher league. That you have to go to the academy soccer, right? You have to get to that level to be found because that's where people are looking for you. And that's where you can at least try to make a name for yourself. But all the way, you know, having fun with it, whatever that is. And if it's soccer's not your true passion, obviously go find something different. So. You go, you, uh, you get recruited playing high school soccer to USF, uh, have a great career there. And I think you found out your junior year, you're, um, if I'm not mistaken, you made All-American and uh, heard you on the podcast saying, wow, wait, maybe I'm pretty good at this sport and I can do more with this. I could finish college and continue to play this sport. And then the MLS draft comes around and you would assume that things were going to go your way. This is why it's so amazing to watch someone like yourself that's dealing it with it mentally in just one game, right? You, you put it in a vacuum and let's just play that one game and you have to deal with the mental side of just playing goalie. Now you have all the other things that are happening. Where am I going to go? How am I going to play? What city am I going to live in tomorrow? And what team am I going to be on? And you're having to deal with that. And you had this situation where you thought you had gotten drafted, but it was one of your teammates that had gotten drafted from South Florida, correct? And then you move on. And so you're dealing with all this. Tell us about that story about when you thought you gotten drafted, then you realized that wasn't the case. Yeah. So like, like you said, you know, I was expected and, you know, you go through all those mock drafts and, and, you know, and your name's up there a lot. So you're expecting, you're expecting the day to go your way. And so I'm just sitting in, I'm just sitting watching the computer and watching it tick by and waiting for my name to get called. And, you know, as it, as it's slipping, as each round goes by, you're getting a little bit more nervous. And there's that feeling of, you know, I can't like almost like disbelief. You can't believe what's going on. And like, how could this be happening to you? And, you know, all that, all those good feelings that you get uh, when something's not going your way. But yeah, so I was sitting there with my girlfriend, who is my wife now at the time. And, and we're just watching and you see from the University of South Florida. So immediately it's all right. Yes. Like it's finally happening. You get that joy, you get that excitement. Yeah. And then it was one of my teammates. His name was Bernardo Anor. 
and they called his name and and it was just from there i just shut the computer off i i think i think my wife and i went to chipotle or something and you know just tried to just tried to regroup but it is you know it's that it's it's that anticipation and you're excited and you're and then you think it's finally your moment and everything that you've worked towards is 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 coming true and then to have it not be your name was obviously a a nice little nice little uh punch in the gut Uh, yeah I was gonna but, say, you know, it's just like, but as I said, man, it's just like it's just like with everything in life, you know. Professional sports is professional sports is a little bit tough, and it's it can be ruthless at times. And you know, it's it's just something that you know, if you can if you could deal with that type of that type of adversity, and you can come out the other side, then you know you're going to be better for it. Well, you've proven that because you that didn't end your journey. That would have been an easy way to give up and say, listen, this just isn't going to work out for me. But you kept on pushing, right? And we'll share the podcast that you did with your teammate on your, and talking about your journey through it. So you end up on different teams and you find your way to Portland after being a backup, after being, I think, in Real Salt Lake, right? And, and having some success and then finding your way, which you have to kind of think knew at the time that you were going to end up in Portland. And you go to Portland and, and you ultimately get last season – uh, so we're talking about the 18-19 season. You have an incredible run. You do incredibly well, and you end up winning and going to the championship game of the MLS. Like, what an experience. I think you guys beat uh, Kansas City, Sporting Kansas City, right, to go to the championship. It's a play in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, which is, I was there last year. I wasn't there for a sporting event. My daughter uh, wanted to go to the Taylor Swift concert, so we ended up there. So that was my first time seeing. That place is amazing. And for okay. you to then be there, and that I watched the game on TV, the game you were in. What an what an atmosphere! I mean, because first of all, all your fans were there, right? Because the Portland Timbers fans obviously are traveling. Atlanta United's done incredibly well, um, which is I think it was a huge spectacle for the MLS. But like you're going all the way back to thinking, well, I didn't even have academy soccer. I played high school. I end up at USF. I wasn't even sure if I was going to play it. I don't get drafted when I thought I was. I end up going through all these situations. We talked about being backup goalie, maybe not having great seasons or letting in bad goals or whatever that might be. And you end up in Portland, an amazing city, an amazing place with amazing fans. And now you're, you win the semifinals and you're off to the championship. Like, what was that like to win that semifinal game, knowing that you've made it to this point in your career and you're the starting goalie for the Portland Timbers? Uh, you know, it's funny. It's funny when you when you hear somebody else say all those things, it's kind of, it's cool. You know what I mean? When you hear someone else, someone else's viewpoint of, you know, your career and where you're at and the different cool moments, it's, uh, you know, it's cool. It's cool to hear your viewpoint of like my path and the, and the path that got me here. And, you know, I guess I was a little bit of an outlier in, in terms of, you know, making it as far as I have and, and getting to enjoy that moment. But, you know, when you're in the moment and even now, you know, I'm, um, as you said, I'm recovering from injury and I'm trying to, trying to fight through that and push that. But, you know, even in this moment, it's, it's still not something that I've had that I've looked back on and, and really been able to take it all in. You know, it's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't view that my career has reached, reached the goals that I'm looking for. I don't feel like, I don't feel like, um, I'm at a point where, I can really sit back and and take that moment in and really enjoy it for what it was yet, because, you know, ultimately uh, losing that game still hurts. Uh, Losing that game, (laughs) losing that game is something that'll hurt me probably for the rest of my life. But, you know, I think uh, that's a good, that's a good question for, you know, maybe when, maybe when I retire and, and I'm able to look back on all these moments and really take them for what it's worth. But, 
you know, I'm still in the mindset where uh, that's, that's kind of where I expected to be. That's kind of where, you know, where my path has taken me, but it's always, it's always, uh, you know, the place that I wanted to end up in. And unfortunately, you know, of course, winning, winning that game in Kansas city and making it to that point was, was something that I'll never forget. And the, and the joy that I felt uh, on that field in Kansas city, knowing that, knowing that we've accomplished what we accomplished as a team and, and reaching the finals was, was so great. But, you know, like, like most things in life, uh, 10 days later, it was, <laughs> it was cut down and, you know, how great I felt in Kansas city was probably just as how bad I felt uh, after that game in Atlanta. So it is cool. Like it has been a very cool journey and it has been a very fun, very fun uh, path so far, but at the end of the day, I still haven't, still haven't captured that, that trophy, which is, you know, what the, what the goal is. So hopefully, you know, that's a cool moment, but hopefully it's definitely not the best moment that I'm going to have. Yeah, we just keep going forward, right? You're just trying to get better, and you're going to have setbacks like you're dealing with a shoulder injury right now. I understand it. You know, it's crazy because my wife, she's got a bad shoulder right now, and she's not at, uh, played as an athlete. I mean, she works out and she trains, but just to sleep and the uncomfortableness that she has to deal with, so going through rehab and dealing with that, like I know what it would look like for someone who's an athlete that now has to go through that and you're landing on your shoulders you're doing all sorts of crazy stuff and you're throwing your hands in the air to try to get the ball over you know super athletic uh players so i get it man i get what you're saying how you would hear it from my perspective to say but that's all great and you learn from those experiences but you keep moving forward you keep getting better it's almost like the goalie position continues to evolve right like we've come a long way with that to where the goalies i've seen are now seen as many times sweepers, right? They're an extra defender. You're expected to play the ball with your feet to where you're not that old, right? But when you were growing up, maybe that wasn't the way. And you've made, I don't know if you've had to evolve with that, um, of having to play the ball with your feet more than when you first started playing the, the, the position. Yeah, yeah, a ton. So uh, that's, that's a good point. You know, it's, it is a position that's evolving and you are, you are supposed to have, you're supposed to use your feet more and your distribution is supposed to be a lot more accurate when you know, when I was growing up and going through high school and college, it was pretty much just kick the ball as far as you can. And, you know, I was always really good at that. I, uh, I joke around a lot that I'm going to try out, try to be a kicker when my, when my goalie career is over because I kick the ball pretty far. But, but it is, you know, it's something that as, as a professional, you know, I kind of had to, I had to evolve a lot. Uh, you know, even though I made it to this point, it's something that I constantly have to work on. And, you know, you're constantly trying to get better at this thing that, up until I was about 22, 23, it wasn't something that was stressed about and it really wasn't something that I worked on too much. So, so now, you know, as a professional and as 30 and I've been playing, I think this is my ninth year playing professionally. It's something that, you know, I still try to work on every day because it is, you know, you have to adapt or, you know what they say, you either adapt or you die. So I think for a guy growing up, the goalie, growing up like me, the goalie position was something different than it is now. So I'm just continually trying to adapt or else, you know, the game uh, the game moves on without you if you don't. So it's That's about it. trying to get better at what's asked of you now. It's kind of wild when you can look at sports and how sports is being disrupted, whether it's analytics or positions changing or the style of play, right? But it's true. I mean, you see it in business, right? You know, social media comes in or different technologies come in. And, you know, you see a lot of businesses say, well, we've been doing it this way for 20 years, so we're going to keep doing it that way. And say, well, like you said, adapt or die. You have to refine. You have to be thinking about new ways of being innovative with it. And you're also doing this. And this is another thing that drew me to you because um, 
athletes have this opportunity. You have this engagement with the fans, and no matter if you're on a small team or a small city or what or a big one, and you have you have just you have attention to what you're doing. And if you have a story to tell, and I see this in business, even if you only have five people that are willing to listen to you, right? That. These are opportunities to tell your story. And you did that. You got on a podcast. You guys created your own podcast as an athlete and you're playing and you're practicing and everything else that you have going on. And I get it. There's a lot of downtime, but a lot of it's rest. And it's like, are we going to take on something else? You created a podcast. You went on other podcasts. You're coming on this podcast. You don't see athletes doing that all the time. I get it because there's so much, there's so many different things you have to do in different places you have to go. Got to ask you though, as an athlete, why did you want to start a podcast? I think, you know, it initially started, uh, my, my teammate and buddy, Zarek Valentine is the other person that's on it. And it initially started because, you know, we were traveling a ton at the beginning of the season and our preseason trip was, it was a month long and, you know, it was going to be he and I in a hotel room, um, for a month. And, you know, for us, it was something that, it was something that we felt would keep us busy. And, you know, I think, especially when you're in that preseason mode, if you're just dwelling on, if you're just dwelling on every day of training or if you're just dwelling on soccer 24 seven for a month straight, then you're going to lose your mind a little bit. So it started off as kind of our way to keep us sane. And we, we were going to do a lot of traveling to start the season. So we thought it would be cool to kind of, you know, bring, bring people along for the ride and, and just kind of see what it's like today or, you know, kind of get that experience from, from, I guess, behind, behind the scenes a little bit. But I think as the, as the podcast started going and, you know, we, we've tried to keep up with it as best as we can, that it's kind of evolved a little bit because Zarek and I kind of view ourselves as, you know, we play professional soccer, but at the end of the day, we're, we're most proud of, you know, what we do off the field. And, and we're trying to trying to show people that there is a different side to, especially Zarek and I. But you know, there is a different side to athletes. You're getting you're getting a lot of athletes that are doing these nowadays, where you know there's that more than an athlete movement, and you see athletes that are doing things off the field that that you know it's not something that you would see back in the day because a lot of people just want their athletes to to stick to sports and and to just be athletes. But you know, we're kind of. Uh, we're kind of trying to help it evolve a little bit and show that, you know, we are, we are more than soccer players and, and hopefully, you know, people are enjoying seeing that other side of us too. Well, I know I am. And I think it also applies to the transition to life after being an athlete, right? So you can do it while, while you have the attention and then you learn things along the way. And there's so much you can do, whether it's just like having a conversation with someone like yourself or vice versa, or just getting stories out there, getting your voice. And there's so much that comes from it. And just engaging with a fan who's a part of uh, your fan base, so, you know, whatever that might be. So I agree with you. I think we have seen a lot of people doing it. I think we're going to see more athletes doing it. And I think it's going to help because you don't know when that transition happens. You know, a lot of athletes, their career, their sporting career ends in their 20s or their 30s, right? So, and, they, and a lot of times it's not by choice. It could be because they're just not as good as they used to be. It's because they got injured or for whatever might happen. But amazing that if you can have like almost an insurance policy, if you will, to protect you. So when you do leave, you have these new opportunities. You have these new doors that can open up. And I know you got to get going soon, but there's one other thing you've been doing. I know you have a daughter, right? I believe she's about two years old right now, but you've always been into writing. You've always been into stories. And now you are a uh, storyteller. You're writing books. You're visiting schools and reading these books and having these incredible interactions with these very young children. Um, what has that process been like for you? Because 
first of all, I love it because you're putting content out there. You have all these stories to tell. You've been through all these ups and downs. You've had a lot of fun and you have exciting things to share and you're interested in more things than just soccer and, and whatever else you're interested in. You know, I think you wrote a, a recent book, maybe it was your fifth book, if I'm not mistaken, about space and about the space race between the United States and Russia. But talk to us a little bit about you know, your idea of storytelling and, and writing children's books. Yeah, I mean, I, my daughter's actually almost three now. I can't believe it. It's like, man, you have kids. It's, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the days are, what do they say? The days The days are crazy long, but the years are crazy short. That's it. That's, <laughs> I, have that going on. I have that going on right now as I, as I just dropped my daughter off at school. It's like crazy. But so, so yeah, so the writing, the writing, you know, I've always been a fan of writing. Um, I've always loved writing and I've known that you know, outside of, outside of soccer, the, the things that I love the most are, you know, writing and sports. And I love, I love sports, uh, you know, in a, in a very, I have a very, very deep love for sports because for me, it was, it was a way that my family and I connected the most, you know, my best memories, my best memories growing up were going to sporting events or, you know, one of the, one of the best, like best pictures that I have hanging in my house is, you know, from the day that my mom took my brother and I out of school early and we went to go watch the inaugural uh, Tampa Bay Devil Rays game. And we were there like four hours early. I still have the ticket, like I still have the pictures. And, and so many of my, my great childhood memories and even my memories now with my family are, are all centered around, you know, going, going to a sporting event or, you know, sitting around a TV watching a, watching a game that was special to us. So once we had my daughter it all just kind of lined up where, you know, my daughter, you're in that, you're in that cloud where you just had your first kid. Uh, she was a few weeks old and, you know, you and your wife are sitting there and you're just thinking, Oh my gosh, like, what is our, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Like, Absolutely. what is our yeah. new life? What, is, what have we done? <laughs> what have we done? And uh, so I'm sitting there and my daughter's sitting, sitting on the couch next to me and, and I'm watching, I'm watching the Chicago Cubs win the world series. And, and, all I could think about was, you know, my daughter's been alive for however many weeks and the Cubs, the, the Chicago Cubs just won the world series. Like that is not supposed to happen. Like that is something that a, an entire fan base, an entire nation of sports fans has been waiting over a hundred years to see. And this new generation, this, you know, my daughter's generation isn't going to know that, the Cubs aren't supposed to do that, you know, it's, and it's kind of like the Red Sox too, you know, there's, there's just, there's a generation of Red Sox fans that all they know is that the Red Sox good and are good and they win world series, but that wasn't the case for, for so long and for so many different generations. So it, it kind of hit me and I got the idea to write these children's books that tell these historical moments in sports that, you know, so that these great sports stories and these great, moments for the older generations are passed down and you know for me it's a it's a way of you know parents and grandparents to to pass down these stories that you know if you were if you're a sports fan that meant so much to you for so long that you pass it down to the younger generation but also hopefully it it creates an avenue where i know for me um you know i'm, I'm watching all these i'm, I'm a huge uh, tampa bay sports fan so I'm watching all these Tampa Bay sporting events and when my daughter's in the room, you know, I'm making up little dances that we do when the Rays hit a home run or, 
you know, I'm making up little celebrations that we do if the Lightning score a goal or, you know, stuff like that so that hopefully, you know, my daughter my daughter is into it too. And one day, you know, when my daughter's older and can really appreciate it, that we're going to these games together and we're sharing these moments. So, so that's kind of was, that was my idea with the book just to kind of create that, that avenue of, you know, sharing, sharing the history of something that if you're a sports fan that you're super passionate about, but also hopefully it's a way that it inspires, you know, like I said, grandparents and parents to create that, create that mutual love or that mutual interest between something that for me has created so many, so many just unbelievable memories for me and my family. It's such an awesome story. I mean, it's so fun to create and I love how you took, you just had this moment, by the way, I'm an Indians fan. So like I was, it's so weird because I was like, why do we have to be playing the Cubs? Cause I'm with you. Like I have nothing against the Cubs at all. And my great, you know, my, the Indians were kind of there. They just, it was like 1948 or whatever was the last time. So it had been a long time for them too. I'm like, how do these two teams play? They both deserve to win or they both need it. Like my grandfather passed away and um, I just, I would I just wanted him to have the opportunity to watch and my grandmother to watch the Indians win the World Series right going so far back and you're right I mean you're you're spot on it's funny we have John in our office he's a big Jets fan I'm a big Bills fan John doesn't know the New England Patriots as an irrelevant football team like to him it's like the Patriots just win the Super Bowl every year but I remember if the Bills like didn't even play well against the Patriots back in the day you're like what's wrong with the Bills like how could you possibly not play well against the Patriots kind of to your point but I just I love how you saw something that's out there and were able to create a story and do something with it. And it's not necessarily like, I would imagine that if no one ever bought that book, but it was just a book you read to your daughter, that would have been a hundred percent worth it. Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's been, that's, that's been the cool part. And unfortunately, you know, people have bought it, which is good. Cause it Absolutely. Keeps, uh, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps, it keeps, uh, it keeps the publishing company and, you know, our hopes for our hopes for the future for that, uh, alive. But yeah, I mean, listen, it's for me, uh, I'm looking forward to the day that I can write, you know, I could write a bucks one, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on that, but I'm looking forward to the day that I can write the story about, about a Tampa team, but you know, sharing that moment with my daughter sitting on the couch and telling her about the story and all that, it's, that's been good too. So you say, uh, so you say you're an Indians fan. Does that mean you're a Cavaliers, Cavaliers fan? I'm no? not. So it's weird because I'm from Buffalo, New York. All right. And so I was born and raised. Okay. In, my dad was born and raised in Cleveland. And so the there's no baseball team there, right? So the Indians are three hours. I'm from Buffalo. People think New York City. But no, Buffalo is closer to Ohio. So it's a three-hour drive to Cleveland. So I grew up an Indians fan. So Indians fan, Ohio State. But the Bills and the Sabres, of course, right, um, are the other teams that I pull for from my hometown. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you know, we wrote we wrote the Cubs book and they beat the yep. Indians, but not not too not too long after the uh, LeBron led Cleveland to a championship, yep. so we wrote we wrote one about that too. So yeah, if you want to, uh, yeah, absolutely, if you want to check out if you're a Cleveland fan that was crushed by the Cubs by the Cubs and you want to check out a Cleveland the Cavs story, had it, one right? Yeah, they had their big moment, and and that's what's cool though. You know, there's this. There's this journey, and you talked about it before with going and losing the championship. As you know, being from Buffalo, the Bills lost four Super Bowls in a row. And in the moment, that stuff's painful. And you look back, would you want to have won one of the Super Bowls at least? Absolutely. I still believe they should have won the first one and the fourth one. But had they won the first one, I don't think they go to four straight. But anyway, looking back and seeing those guys where they are today, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, Andre, and all of those guys, like 
they have such a bond together. They had such an amazing experience and journey, and there's always going to be doubters, and I can't believe you lost four straight, and some of that's very deserved, but a lot of times it's the journey. So many great players never win it. We talk about it. We have an article. It's one of the first ones I ever put together is enjoy the journey. You look like a Ted Williams. You talk about the Red Sox. Never won a World Series. Does he like look back on his career and say it was a failure because he never won the championship? You know, I think we live in an era with say Instagram and you know, especially in the NBA where you have the ring chasing going on. So it seems for many players that if you don't win a championship or if you don't make it as easy as possible on yourself to win that championship, then like your your career is going to be a failure. But like I look back, you look at Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, uh, you know Dan Marino, and, and the soccer players that never won anything at, at that point. But that doesn't make your career. It, it's still an incredible journey, I guess, is what I'm saying. And it can still be an incredible process. And yet maybe that was your ultimate prize. There's so much going on to it. So when I say all those things, like, I get it. You want to go back. You want to get stronger. And you want to, you know, have that ultimate goal. But I think, man, you're doing some amazing stuff. And it's also opened up your eyes to doing these other things, say, a podcast, having a family and understanding, you know, the ups and downs of what that is to have a daughter. And it's, it's all amazing, right? And then to have this soccer career that you have, and it's not over, and you're going to continue to go down this path and strive for this ultimate thing. But you're on this amazing ride. And it, like you said at the very beginning, it's tough. But let's keep going, man. Like, dust yourself off, get back up, and, and keep going. So I don't know if you, see, if you hear that, or is it hard to think through that at this point in your career because you're still, like, in the middle of it all? Oh, no, man. I appreciate it. And, and you know, it has this injury and this time down has definitely given me uh, some time to reflect. And, you know, it is it is true. You know, when you talk about winning winning championships, man, like I was on a I was on a team in 2013 that a Salt Lake team that should have won it. But the ball literally the ball bounced the wrong way at the worst at the worst time. And, you know, that was the difference between being a champion and being runner up. So you talk about all these all these sports moments and people that didn't win championships like there's so much there's so much like little bits of luck that go into those moments too and and you know that's not lost on me of course but I think uh you know taking it all in and truly reflecting is something something for something for post-career you know you don't really yeah it's hard to do that it's hard to do it when you're in it but uh I know uh, I know when I'm done playing and I'm able to I'm able to kind of regroup from that that I'll be able to look back and and really and really appreciate the ride that it's been. So so I definitely appreciate uh, those kind words. Yeah, man. Well, first of all, I know you got to get going, but I just Jeff, I really appreciate you spending time. I knew that there's just I could sit here and chat with you all day and ask you questions and learn more about what you're doing. But whatever it is, keep doing it. I hope we can stay in touch. What's the um, best way someone can get a hold of you or check out your podcast or buy your book? Yeah. So. Uh, the books, the books are, it's, it, it, our publishing company is called It Had to Be Told, uh, pretty much just because we feel like these are stories that, that need to be passed down. So, so if you're trying to check out the books, um, it would be ithadtobetold.com or, you know, just like, just like everything else in the world, you can uh, go on Amazon, type in my name and, or type in It Had to Be Told and the stories will pop up and you can get them. Uh, if for some reason you need that book within 24 hours, they're prime, they're prime available. <laughs> there you so, go. So you can uh, so you can do that, and then if you want to check out the podcast, I know Zarek and I have been have been talking a lot how we need to get that rolling again and uh, get another episode together. But if you want to check out the podcast, it's called From J to Z, and you can get it on Spotify, iTunes, uh, you know, just wherever wherever all the different outlets you can get podcasts these days. So. 
so yeah, if you feel like checking those out, and yeah, man, I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the conversation as well. Um, you know, hopefully uh, in a future life, I'd love to be. I'd love to be sitting here talking sports and talking shop all day. That's like a little bit of a pipe dream. So I have. Uh, next time you want me on, man, just let me know. Yeah, yeah we'll do it for sure. There's so much we can hit on. I think this I've talked about before. I think soccer is prime, man, in in this country. Um, there's. There's very little things that uh, you have in this country that haven't developed. And soccer certainly has developed to a certain point. But, like, if you look at just the opportunity that's there, um, you know, football's at this ultimate peak. But, like, how high can it go? And we're, we're starting to lose players in that, for example, because of the head injuries and all that. I know soccer's got that as well. But I think soccer's just prime for it, man. I get a very bright future. Uh, love being a part of it in any way that I can. Love talking to you. So, absolutely, we'll, we'll stay in touch, man. Best of luck with your recovery. And uh, we'll be paying attention, man, reading your books and listening to the podcast. All right, cool, man. I appreciate it. One of my favorite things about creating sports epreneur content is the opportunity to chat with amazing athletes and people like Jeff Atnella, and then having the platform to share it with you. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at Sports Epreneur. Thank you for listening to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide.